Hello, and welcome to State of Crime. One state, still one murderer, because this is part four, the final episode of our coverage of the Atlanta child murders. Yes. So, here we are, our final one. And like we've said, I believe on every episode before this, <laughs> we are not doing this justice at all. No, there's so many things. And like I said, there's so many things I still have questions about mm -hmm. that even as much research as I did and even as much stuff that is out there that I still don't have answers to. And I right. think that's really odd because I just felt like some of this stuff, like how long between their disappearance and, you know... Apparent, you know, approximately, do they think they were murdered? Do they feel like these murders happened immediately after they were snatched? Or, like I said, I would that's my assumption, especially given that there wasn't any sexual assault, right? But I don't know for sure. And you know, when you brought up the idea of maybe drugging them, or who knows, this is all so crazy. But we're going to kind of try and focus this episode on some of the theories about the case right and some of the other possible suspects that may have yes. been um written off i yes. guess yes. in a sense um, let off too easily right. perhaps can we start with the kkk theory yeah let's since we've already i've already said why i yes. debunk that but there is some compelling evidence and you were going to talk about this one case. Yes. So one of the things that I didn't talk about earlier, I kind of touched on it a little bit. I touched on the fact that when it was brought up that this was most in the profile that was given by um, the, it was, it seemed from what I understand, it was a collaborative effort for the profile specifically between John Douglas, mm -hmm. who was the FBI agent who was... And I'm going to talk a lot more about him later on because, right. like I said, I listened to this fascinating interview with him. Now, when we talked earlier about the five super cops, I believe this was something that we said off our recordings, was that they were given a list of things to come up with. And one of those things was collectively a profile for this uh, murder or the murderers, the series mm -hmm. of murders. And so along with John Douglas, it was also the other five super cops that put in their information into this profile. And they were the ones that came up with it. It's probably a, um, I wish I would have brought up the actual uh, profile, but it was that it was probably a black male or female, mm -hmm. um, mid-20s. Uh, and then it went on into a bunch of stuff. Now, just because this was a, the profile, like I said, uh, most people didn't agree with it because they, they didn't really want to believe that a member of their own community would do this, would do this. And profiling children. was also still in its infancy. Right. And so it was still kind of like. People were suspicious. How right. can you know this? This feels right. like mind reading. Exactly. And. One of the things I didn't say was while they didn't agree with this profile at all, I think because they didn't agree with it, it was not given out to the public. It was not right. put out in the media. And so at that point, all that the media was told was that at that point, the cops theory was it was KKK. Okay. And that was the main thing in the media was that this was the KKK. 
because I honestly think that that may have been the easiest thing for the community to believe that all of these black children and even adults were being murdered at such a high rate and so fast that it had to have been the KKK. There was no other option. Right. And so that was a big thing that was in the media was that it was the KKK until they arrested Wayne Williams. That is what the media thought. So that is what the community thought. And I do think that that is not fair to the community and to the families who lost loved ones and who mm -hmm. lost children because they are under the impression that it is somebody that not everybody in the law enforcement believed that it was. Right. So I don't think that's really, that was really fair to the families. No, no. Um, but because of this, they, there were tips coming in about brothers and one of the brothers name was, um, Charles S. Sanders. And, he was a member of the KKK. His most of his family was members were members of the KKK. Now, because of this, they ended up getting a judge to approve a wiretap on the on these two brothers. And now during this wiretap, they end up hearing Charles Sanders talking specifically about Luby Jeter. And we've talked I, I said before when we brought him up that we were going to come back to him. Now, before Luby went missing, there was an incident between Luby Jeter and Charles Sanders. Okay. They lived fairly near each other. And Luby, I believe, was 14 or 15. I don't have yeah. that on hand at the moment. Um, he didn't have a driver's license. No, no. And so his main way of transportation was, it was either a go-kart or a golf cart. I'm not... I don't remember specifically which one it was, but it he was, was 14. Yes. So he was, it was either a golf cart or a go-kart and that was basically how he got around. Mm -hmm. And there was an incident where Luby Jeter crashed his go-kart, his cart. I'm going to call it a cart because I don't know which one it is. They're fairly similar for the most part. Um, he crashed this cart into Charles Sanders car. Okay. And now because of this, Charles was pissed. He was irate. He had he was mad that this black boy ran his ran his cart into his car. He was going to kill him. He talked about strangling him. And granted there were a lot more uh, obscene words used in it which I refuse to repeat. Um but he was mad and he said flat out at one point, "I'm going to strangle him." Mhm. Mm and what happens next? Luby Jeter goes missing, and when he is found, his cause of death is strangulation. Yeah. So, while they did bring him in for questioning, they brought him and his brother in. Um, he claimed he had nothing to do with it. Both he and his brother both took polygraph tests. They both passed the polygraph tests. And so, eventually, Charles Sanders was taken off the suspect list. Right. I don't agree with that at all. If you have somebody that you heard on a wiretap say that he was going to do something like strangle a kid, that kid then goes missing and dies and his cause of death is strangulation. How? And he knew him. 
they lived close, fairly, fairly close. Right. I don't know the exact proximity, but they were in the same neighborhood area mm-hmm. and they had already had a run in because Luby crashed his cart into his car. Yeah. And like I said, I, I don't know how I feel about that one, you know, because the dude's also old. Like when you, you know, in 1991, which is the article that we were looking at together right. here, you know, he doesn't look like a dude that could handle strangling if healthy 14 year old kid like yeah. i'm sorry i i don't know it's but just, again it's that's hard. you know almost 10 years later too right. so who knows but and so and including the aside mm-hmm. from the wiretap there was also in the article that we had read there was also another person who had come forward saying that they heard him specifically confess yeah to Luby Jeter's murder. So again, that one, I'm definitely, I would put in the big question mark column. I would also put it in a question mark, but I would also mainly put put Charles Sanders on top of that. Because one, yeah, he clearly didn't like black people. But again, there were also witnesses who came forward and said that they saw Luby Jeter getting into Wayne Williams' car. Yeah. And so you do have that side. You know, we have directly conflicting stories here and that is part of the problem yeah but but like i said that one i i am torn on right he's one of those that i would i personally would be okay like in my heart and soul Mm -hmm. taking him out of wayne williams category and putting him into charles sanders And since you brought up the KKK, there is this file, I think it's called the 8100 file, that supposedly deals with the investigation of the KKK and these murders. I think the investigation ended about a month before Wayne Williams' arrest. Uh, And so the one podcast that I said everyone should check out if they really want a deep dive, and I, I think it's probably the single best clearinghouse for all the information that we have, Atlanta Monster. They talked about it. And so they actually went to Atlanta, wanted to see this file, and were told that it had been put into storage along with a lot of other things. They ended up going into this warehouse where there were 70,000 documents in that are tied to, I know, I wish you guys could see Kaylin's face right now because it's a thing of beauty. Her jaw is on the floor. 70,000 70, documents that are associated with this investigation in that, in storage. And they went through a lot of these apparently and did look at some of these things. Now, and they were talking about how, you know, it's one thing when you're looking at something on a computer screen and you see a lot of these pictures that were uploaded. It was a very moving episode. And they talked about, for instance, seeing um, Yusuf Bell's body and seeing the pictures that were taken and that there are many of them that have not been uploaded anywhere online. And the one guy said, you know, it was the first time he'd ever seen photographs of a murdered child. And that just hit me really, really hard because, you know, that's what gets lost in the numbers that are involved with this case, Mm -hmm. in the questions, like we said, there are so many gaps and things that we don't know and we don't understand. And um, when they were talking to John Douglas, 
one of the things that they asked him about was motive. You know, what is the motive? And John Douglas said, you know, sometimes motive can change. Like they might start off killing for one reason and then over time it changes. His theory with the case was that, I don't think he used the term the little man syndrome in particular, but that somebody like this has, and, and I guess that he does also have, um, Wayne Williams does have like the trifecta of um, the bedwetting ah. due to trauma and the cruelty to animals ah. specifically. I don't know about the fire starting. I don't think he mentioned that. But definitely he did say about the cruelty to animals. Mm. And one of the things that he discussed on, on that podcast was that when he was called to testify at the trial, he ended up talking to a witness for... The defense, the defense had brought in this, I don't know if he, I don't know if he's a psychiatrist or a psychologist from Arizona who had, was going to testify that Wayne Williams did not have the psychological aspects of a murderer. And he and John Douglas ended up talking and John Douglas, you know, was talking to him. And I guess, you know, John Douglas isn't a psychologist or psychiatrist, I don't think in the same way. I don't know exactly what his degree is. But they ended up talking and, you know, John Douglas was talking to him about, for instance, the animal cruelty and some of these other things. And the guy ended the conversation with saying, yeah, he's a psychopath and ended up not Damn. testifying. He just left. Damn. Yeah. So now, I that was very interesting. <coughs> Excuse me. But so, and then John Douglas went on to talk about his theory of motive being that Wayne Williams is somebody who has all this anger and this rage, and that it just gave him a feeling of power to kill these children, to find small, weak victims, that it was easy for him to overpower, to, you know. So and, he felt that. Yes, He yes, felt the power. Yes. Which, honestly, fucking coward. Right. And that over time... As and one of the reasons that he escalates like he does, that as the murders became so widely publicized, then it becomes also the attention okay. that he's getting, and so that's one of the reasons he escalates. And, the, and so then, it, then it becomes that I'm impressing all of these people out there as as well as the power that he gets from, from doing these acts. Right. Also, nobody should be feeling any sort of power for killing or overpowering no. a child because it's a child. Yeah. What else do you fucking expect? You are a grown adult. Well, like no the, shit you can fucking overpower a child. There, there is no doubt that Wayne Williams like is a just messed up human being. Right. Like, there's not right. And what I really found interesting was the interviewer asked John Douglas, he said, about... Uh, about Wayne Williams' relationship with his father. And John Douglas said, I'll talk to you about that off the record. Huh. And I am just dying to know what he... He definitely has some theories and some ideas there. I don't know what they are. I have to say my brain immediately went to... Molestation. Some, some sort of... Sexual of, abuse some with so, the father. Definitely abuse. Right. You know, of some sort. I'm going... I, I would bet dollars to donuts there's a good dose of emotional and probably physical abuse in there, and then possibly there's a sexual component in there somewhere as right. well. Because, you know, and, and like I said, it was also in this interview with Douglas where they talked about the fact that, you know, when 
Wayne Williams kind of knew he was on the police's radar, but they didn't bring him in. He was seen burning all of these things in the backyard, and it turned out it was a bunch of photographs. So I'm also wondering, since we were talking about, you know, how long did he keep these kids? Did he drug them? Was there some sort of a sexual component to it, even though there's no sign of sexual assault on the bodies? Did he do things that, you know, keep photographs for whatever nefarious purposes? Ugh. There's just so much here Ugh. that we, just, like I said, that are just these glaring question marks. Right. And I just felt like even with something like that, that was, you know, what an incredible opportunity for this podcaster to get John Douglas on there and get to talk to him about this. Um, but I just felt like, okay, you're at the source. You know what right. I mean? You got, you got the big kahuna here. And I still just get more and more questions. Yes. Okay. So another thing with John Douglas, um, we talked about, like I just said a few minutes earlier, how unfair it was to the families, um, not only for the KKK side, but also with all of these victims being pushed under one right one, one umbrella one umbrella exactly and that umbrella being William, Wayne, Wayne Williams, Williams. Yeah. Um, the Wayne Williams did this umbrella right and I think that while I commend John Douglas for so much that he did during his career he did so many amazing things for law enforcement he did he was the brain of most of the stuff that we use that law enforcement uses every fucking day mm -hmm. and i commend him so much well he changed <laughs> he changed the whole landscape in so many ways right i will and i hate to say this but i have to i have to be i have to be honest with how i feel about yeah, it myself of course i almost blame oh, i hate using the word blame with this i almost blame john douglas a little bit not a whole lot mm -hmm. but a little bit when it comes to all of these children being shoved under the wayne williams right. umbrella well and he and he was censured by the fbi at the time because they said that they felt when he said that he the said comment, he made a comment on air to the media in a press conference he said almost i believe this is almost word for word wayne williams is looking good for all of the murders. Yeah. And because of that, he got censored by the FBI. Censured, yeah. Censured. Because they said that he kind of was putting himself out there as a, an official spokesman right. for the FBI, which he was not. Right. Although I will say, like, again, in the interview, you know, and it, you know how it is. We say things all the time that we don't have the chance to think through. Mm -hmm. And I really do believe what he meant was all of these ligature strangulation murders. Like there was a certain group right. that he was referring to. He wasn't saying the 30 murders, including the kid who was never found. Right. Which, by the way, a lot of the times when you look, it says, you know, that he is associated with 29 of the murders. That 30th one, I'm wondering if it's because they never found, they the, never body. found the body. Right. So maybe his case wasn't sealed right. in the same way that the others were. But um, I don't think I, I don't think he did it on purpose. I don't think no. that was his intent. And I have to but tell But I do think it came off that way because it happened, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, that happened before the trial. 
probably. And so I think that also had an issue with the trial, which is probably why they censured him, mm -hmm. is because... Yeah, and also, I will say that, I, you know, and how wouldn't you? There might be a little ego at play there, too. Oh, for sure. There so. has to be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, yeah. like, like I said, he did such amazing things for law enforcement, and he deserves all... All of the praise for that. Well, him and his partners that helped him. Right. You know what I mean? Because it yeah. was a group effort. Yeah. And I, and I, that's the other thing is so often we have one person who becomes the public face of something and we forget, you know, it's like the Hidden Figures movie, right? right. That just came out about all of these, you know, African-American women that helped put the first man on the moon. You right. Know, we, also, fantastic movie, yeah. let's just say. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. And so, you know, like movie. I said, we all know Neil Armstrong, you know, one small step for man, one giant step for mankind. We know him right. you know what I mean but we forget all these the other people picture. that were you take any one of them away and it might not have happened and I also think that this might have been a one of the good things about Mindhunter mm -hmm. let's just segue into Mindhunter because mm -hmm. we were going to talk about that right. anyway um, I think that's one of the good things is because watching this it definitely doesn't show just uh sorry now names are going to get confusing right. for me because their character names are yeah, the guy names. who's Loosely based on John Douglas. Well, because right? Mindhunter in general is based off John Douglas's books yes, that yes, he wrote. Yeah. Well, and like I said, and the main character is John Douglas. Based, based, on, based on John Douglas. But also in this show, they're not. It's not just like surrounded by John Douglas. It's also, um, which I don't remember his partner's real <laughs> name. But in Mindhunter, he plays a uh, Tench, special mm -hmm. agent Tench, and then you've also got the educator i don't remember yeah. she was a teacher i think she was a professor at a, at a college yeah. at some point in right. boston and again we also have to point out that even though mindhunter takes real cases right. like the atlanta child murder which it's been credited with really bringing this back into the public consciousness lately right um and even erroneously for the reopening of cases but again the cases were reopened before that, prior yeah. um but we also have to remember that there's a lot of fictionalization. Correct. There's a lot of compression that goes on in right. these shows. And one of the big ones that was in some of the articles that I read <clears throat> about, you know, reality versus the dramatization mm -hmm. is that there was not this on the ground presence in Atlanta as you see in the series. Gotcha. That okay. that is not how that happened. Right. And I know that I noticed when I watched it is a lot of the pieces that were like on the ground investigation from uh, the three that were involved who would have been John Douglas and his mm -hmm. uh, partners and stuff. A lot of it in the show made you think it was happening in Atlanta, mm -hmm. but then they would say little things that made it that like kind of told you that like that didn't happen in Atlanta that right. happened where they were living yeah and most of the time John Douglas said that he was at Quantico right and that's you know where he'd get information and think about things or whatever but he right. he was not in Atlanta hardly at all um and a lot of these you know except for that special task force that were mm -hmm. brought in they they were the ones that were there right for the for you know varying amounts of time right and i did try to do a little research into the factual side mm -hmm. of the mind hunter mm -hmm. uh, because it's great tv it yes. is it's fantastic tv i loved it mm -hmm. and i cannot wait for season three um and i think that it is i think it's a good show yeah. to kind of 
kickstart for somebody who is like kind of into the true crime, yes. but not really because you get to see so many uh, portrayals of these big, big murderers. Mm. You're talking Charlie Manson. You're talking right. Sam, yeah. BTK, yes. everybody. And one of the things, and, and of course it is based on the book mm -hmm. Mindhunter by John Douglas, right. which came out in 1995. And in that book, he said, quote, Despite what his detractors and accusers maintain, I believe there is no strong evidence linking him, Wayne, Wayne Williams, Williams, to all or even most of the deaths and disappearances of children in that city between 1979 and 1981. Wow. Young black and white children continue to die mysteriously in Atlanta. And then going on to the TV show... There is a great article um, that came out called Is Mindhunter's Atlanta Child Murders True? The Real Story by Brian Tallarico in Explainers. You can find this online. It came out August 30th, 2019. He goes on to say, One of the most chilling scenes in Mindhunter Season 2 happens when a police officer, played by Brent Sexton, suggests that other criminals may also be killing young black boys because they know the murderers will get caught up in Ford's vision of a single perpetrator. And it does make sense that if you have predators out there, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they know, hey, they're fixating over there. Well, I have this window of opportunity. I, I, I would agree with that because that then that kind of ties it back to, if you go back to my Texas killing fields, Yes, that ties it in a whole bunch because it's almost like they see one person doing it and they're like... This and getting is, away with it. Exactly. And they're like, this is a great place to do this. Well, and, and so you also, do it. you know, and again, one of the things that we brought up with, with this case is the fact that to this day, black lives do not get the attention when they are ended in tragic ways that white lives do. And even more so, we have an epidemic in the, like, Montana, Dakotas, specifically kind of dipping down into Wyoming, of Native American women disappearing. Mm -hmm. There have been a huge list of, right. of Native American women who have disappeared. That hasn't even been a blip on the radar of, you know, the, the dominant media. And right. granted, there's a whole lot of crazy going on, but in this country, but you know, those sorts of things are very telling and very tragic that even 35, what are we now? Almost 40 years later, right? Right. I mean, we're almost hitting 40 years after these murders that that is still the case. Right. And it's, it's sad and it's terrible. And we really just didn't, I hate, I, I think that we did great. We did over, <laughs> I, not to toot my own horn or anything, but like. Kim is very impressed with us this week. I am. I'm very impressed with us. But I think that with as good as we may have done, like we've said, we just aren't even, I feel like we've barely gone under the right. surface of it. Like I said, you know, we, you can never pay enough homage and attention to the victims, especially when you have this many. Right. Um, you know, I, the families that are still mourning them that still feel like they don't necessarily have all of the answers about the disappearance of their loved ones. We still have one little boy 
who's never, never been, been found. found. We have these two girls who, with almost 100% certainty, are not Wayne Williams' victims. Right. You know, have very differing um, MOs and things like that. And, you know, that's a tragedy. You, I wish that... I wish that these things never happened. Right. But if they have to happen, that at least people could have the decency to end it. Or yeah. Not to well, end I don't it, even but know, to, like, but get to the but to have the truth. And right. I I was going to say the comfort of the truth, and I don't know that the comfort's the right word. Right. But at least the knowledge of it, I guess. Yeah, and I think I oh God, I pray that them reopening these cases is going to bring so much closure to so oh, many families. One other thing that I did want to point out that I, I lost in, in my train of thought, when they were talking about going in and looking at these 70,000 documents that were in storage, yeah. one of the things they also said that was so horrific was that there were a number of, you know, sex offenders and that were known in the area that they interviewed and they said reading what those people had done to children was so horrific that there's, you know, you're trying to chase down what happened to these murder victims and then you open up just a hornet's nest of disgust and horror of other cases that aren't even on our minds that right. never made the news, but are every bit as heartbreaking and horrific. And they just kept saying all of the horrible things that adults have done to children. Yeah. And I just think about that too, in a very universal way that there is never a time when a child should not be treated with love and kindness. Right. And it, it, it's, it's a lot. This was a lot. This is a lot. Thanks, Amber. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but like, thanks. Yeah. We Honestly, it. I did appreciate the chance, like I said, especially cases that I've lived through, you know, mm -hmm. and that I have these kind of cobwebby, vague recollections and I think I know. To go back and relook at them. I mean, for me, just as a person living in the world mm -hmm. and to realize how much I did not know and how much more there is to know out there, mm -hmm. I can't imagine what that must be like, again, right. for families and people who worked this case and want answers as well. Yeah. But, uh, so... Is that it? Are we done? I think we are done with well, Atlanta Child Murders for now. We are done with Atlanta Child Murders. But I did tell you that I would let us come back at the end of Yes. So now that we are now putting a, an end to our Atlanta Child Murders But episodes, we want to know your thoughts. What do. What do you think about the theories? Which cases seem like they don't fit here? What, what do you think about Luby Jeter in, yes. this, in, in Charles Sanders? And why does he make the jump? from very young, you know, teenagers to young adults. That's a very interesting switch to me mm -hmm. that I still, like I said, I don't quite understand that. Right. Because that's, that's, I don't think I can think of another serial killer where you see that kind of a leap. Right. Um, part of me, and this is just like a little thought that comes into my head is because we did talk about that all of the adults that were involved in that ended up being victims were all very small in stature, mm -hmm. right? So 
what if when he first sees these people or before he like interact this is really just kind of an out there thing i know i know where you're going you're going to say that he just assumes that they're teenagers because they're young but again i'm going to say no because no? then it seems to me they would be sprinkled throughout and there is this definite demarcation that all of our victims are in that 9 to 17 year age range up to a point and then boom we're in the to 20 to, yes yeah you're and, right and you're right and they can't all look that young or do you know what I'm yeah. saying so there's right. something going on and also the switch between the music producer thing because I don't think a 28 year old's going to fall for that the way that a 13 year old would right. and so there's 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 some sort of a shift that's going on and I there's a lot more story there so, than we know. Okay, so one more theory real quick to just throw okay. out there because you did bring this up about the the music part not fitting. Mm -hmm. And you also talked about your theory that he's probably gay. Yes. And that he doesn't like that he's gay, so right. that's why he's doing mm -hmm. these things. What in in another thing that you said was that he may be kind of testing the waters with him mm -hmm. being gay in a more conventional way. Mm -hmm. Now, what if these adults that end up murdered, if he is originally meeting with them to kind of test the waters mm -hmm. with his sexuality and it's like something in his mind is at first he's like, I'm just going to like figure it out, see if I like <laughs> it. And then when he realizes that what he's doing and he's like, fuck, I don't like this. This is not what mm -hmm. I want to do kills them that, oh yeah I, that's I, what i i think that's mm -hmm. probably the main right the, the best mm -hmm. kind of theory because it's like at first he's like okay testing the waters and then he like kind of thinks about it for a second he's like this is everything that i don't want and especially if he's got this weird possibly abusively sexualized relationship with his father in some way and then that's working out as well in who knows right there's a lot there's a lot here to unpack. There is. So. All right. So now we're officially, now, yes. now in this moment, now we're, we're now done. officially done. Now we put a pin in your rape kits and yes. stuff like that that we yes, said we, we would bring up at the end of this episode. So this is on a completely different subject, but we will talk about it now. So you brought up the amounts of rape kits all over the country. That are untested. They just, just sit. Some of them for decades. Right. Now, that in my mind made me think, uh, we've been talking a lot about TV shows in this in these four <laughs> parts, but that immediately brought my mind to the new Netflix series, the, yes. small, the short series that just came out about, uh, it's called um, Unbelievable, and it is about the two female detectives who end up finding a serial rapist. Um, and again, it's good. And I know that if you fall, if any of you are on our discussion group, I believe Cheryl Cheryl asked about had it. watched it, yes. And I told her at first, I've watched the first couple episodes. I don't know how I feel about it. And then when I finished, I was like, "P.S. Just finished it. It's, it's good. awesome. So it is good, and it's hard for me to be judgmental about it because it is based on real events. Mm -hmm. And I also haven't done a lot of research into how fictionalized a lot of it is. But there is some parts of it, specifically one character and how, the way that she reacts to certain things, um, that in my mind, I'm like, I don't fucking like this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I don't know how true her character is to the real person she's portraying. So I need to look into that before I like give a real 
thought process. Overall, it's fantastic, mm -hmm. and I feel like you guys should check it out. But that, it brings up that situation a lot. And I think that it is a great showing, I guess, of the difference in how men treat rape crimes. Rape crime, rape crimes I guess would be the, I don't know why yeah. I just repeated that like 10 times <laughs> yeah. sorry versus the way that females deal with the rapes yeah um rape cases there you yeah. go that's rape the cases. word that was trying to come out of my mouth not crimes <laughs> <laughs> but it is I think it's an, an amazing way to see the difference because for as long as forever race has been an issue Right. Sex has always been an issue. Is also been an issue. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that that also plays a part in this in the way that men and women react differently right. in the way that they And I was going to say one more thing. If I see one more damn post anywhere on social media about if a woman falsely cries rape, she should have to go to jail too. It's already a crime right. to make a false accusation of any sort of And that crime. is also brought up in this And that series. just drives me crazy. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen, like I said. Right. But it's just this idea that there's always, always this push when it comes to rape to try to legitimize the opposite side of it in a way that we don't do with any other crime. And again, I am not a fan of, I do believe in innocent until proven guilty. I understand how the legal system works, but I do feel like with rape, there is this special category of not believing the victim to an extent that you don't see with other groups. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, if somebody's been robbed, we don't make them prove over and over and over again that they've been robbed. Right. So, another thing that I want to bring up, I don't know, I don't think, I don't know if any of you who are listening watch this, or if you even watch this, Elena, do you watch, are you a fan of Grey's Anatomy? I watched, I don't know, maybe the first five to seven seasons. Okay, so there is an episode, I will give you the specific episode, okay. especially since we are talking about rape, I believe that you would very much, in, I don't want to use the word enjoy because... Find it interesting? Uh, yes, it is a, I think is close as you are going to get on television of how rape kits work okay and how the workup happens with a rape victim and that's the and other thing it here is, it's it's traumatizing and i don't think a lot of people understand that either that you have just been sexually assaulted most often you are not just psychologically and emotionally damaged, but you are still in physical pain. Right. And then they are poked. I mean, all of us women know how much we do not enjoy going to the gynecologist. The lady doctor. The lady doctor, right? And and having our yearly, you know, pap smear and and that whole process. Imagine doing that right after you have been sex right after you've been raped. Right. And then, you know, you're still trying to process what's happened to you and you're being swabbed and poked and prodded in the very areas that are basically a wound at this point. Right. And I don't think enough people understand the trauma of that. Right. And then for all of that evidence to sit on a shelf for five, six, seven, fifteen, sometimes upwards of 
almost to 20 years is a crime on another level. So I think and this is one. Okay, so before I go into this, um, the episode, and I think that even if you're not a fan of Grey's Anatomy, because I know there's a lot of people that are not, I think that this is an amazing episode to watch. You don't even need any sort of context into the rest of it, but this episode, it is season 15, episode 19, and it is called Silent All These Years. Mm. And I think that especially... That's a Tori Amos song. Oh. Well, if you know anything about... And Grace Tori Anatomy, Amos is also a, um, a rape survivor, and she also helped to found RAIN, R-A-I-N-N, which is a network for um, sexual abuse, uh, sexual assault, and incest survivors. Wow. So um, check that out. Well, the, one of the things with Grey's Anatomy is every single one of their uh, episode titles is a title of a song that mm -hmm. is normally played in that episode. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming the song is in this mm -hmm. episode. But it is season 15, episode 19. It's available on Hulu. Um <laughs> And I believe it's actually on Netflix now because season 16 is now airing. So I believe 15 is okay. now on Netflix. But if you are at all interested, especially if you watched Unbelievable and you enjoyed it. Um, but it's not easy. This episode's not easy to watch. I sobbed most of the way through it. It is heartbreaking. But it is also an amazing... I Most of the episode, there are no men characters in it because of everything that's mm -hmm. happening. Um but I think you would very much enjoy watching it, especially now that you bring up the rape kids. But one of my things, one of my questions mostly is you have most, so when something happens, let's say a murder. So we mm -hmm. were talking about uh, the people versus OJ. Right. So when a murder of something like, or anything like that happens, and it's not one specific person pressing charges against another person. Right. It's the it's state. the state. The state is doing this. Mm -hmm. So why the fuck do we not have a part of our justice system who was set aside to take these rape kits of women who are too scared to press charges, test them themselves and use it as the state against these men. It would save so many people from being raped because if they have this rape kit, they, and I know they're going to be like, Oh, the funds don't do it. Fuck it. We can figure out the funds. Mm -hmm. Well, that's just it. I mean, you fund what's important. And it should be important. And once again, when the assault, the sexual assault of women, the rape of women is not important enough to get the funding that is needed to process all of these rape right. kits. Right. But it, for me, to me, it makes no sense on why this is not already happening because all they have to do, the state just has to take these rape kits, mm -hmm. test them, get whatever evidence they need. Fucking take these dudes to court. Boom, they're and in jail. DNA. It's DNA evidence. Exactly. They have. They almost guaranteed every time will get exactly what they need to get these men. Or not even just men. I'm sorry. That was that was sexist, and I apologize. To get these people who are raping other people, they have what they need. They have the DNA. Why not use it? Why not take this entire kit? And it's not. It's not just like a swab. No. There is a lot of information right. which you will find yeah. if you watch yeah. this Grey's Anatomy. There are you'll hairs see that are collected. There's photographic evidence that's taken of the wounds, right, and the damage that is done, and um, and of course the swabs. If you know there's uh, genetic material that can be swabbed and tested, right. So. And it just, to me, it, it it makes no sense on why they're not processed exactly in a timely it manner. Be. 
in a timely manner. Don't you think, I, I don't know. And that's just me. Tell me what you think. Tell me if you think I'm fucking crazy. Tell for... both of us what you think because right. I'm, I'm I honestly don't think that anybody on our I don't think anyone's gonna... gonna be like, yeah, they can just sit there. We right. don't care. Da, da. Right. But. Probably. Hopefully not. I think that if, I think if, if it was, it's just hard. It's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. I think that if these Because I will women, also say that the rape of young men is also not given this, this serious attention. Like too often, I mean, when you have a teenage boy who is sexually assaulted by an adult woman, it is still treated as a joke and a ha 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 kind of a moment and a, Ooh, but she's hot. So I'm sure he liked it. Miss Robinson. Sort of thing. Blah, blah, yeah. Blah, and, yeah. And, you know, that is also something that is infuriating and needs to be changed in our society. That's part of why I took the men part out of yes. what I said, because I understand that it just yes. like came out of my mouth. I know it was sexist. It wasn't the right thing, but it's not what I meant. Yes. There are women sexual predators. Exactly. Just like there are males. So. Don't, don't come at me for it, because I tried to fix myself, guys. <laughs> tried to fix it. Um, I hope that we... I hope we did this as much justice as we could have. I think so. And I hope that while normally offending people is not the number one thing on my list of worrying about, I hope we didn't offend anybody with anything that we talked about today. Um, but if we did bring it up in our discussion group, let us know what we can do better. And uh, you can follow us on Facebook Join our discussion group if you're not already a member so you can leave us some, some information. If you're more comfortable, you can email us at stateofcrimepodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Please rate and review us on Apple products. You can also leave a review on Stitcher. I don't know. There's probably other formats where you can as well. We love your feedback. We'd love to know what we're doing well, what we can do better, and we just want you to know how much we appreciate your listening. Right. So, I don't know where we'll be next week. We haven't decided. Yeah, we got to look at our state list. I mean, maybe if you guys want to send us some suggestions, you can decide where we're going to be next week. So, um, yeah, until next time. Take care. <laughs>